0: Tandem Nomads episode 234.
1: If you have an idea that you think you'd like to get out into the world, but you don't know if you're ready, you need to know that you're already ready because the idea is there.
0: Hello Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host, Emel Teregi. I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. In this show, I love to share with you inspirational stories and great tips to be able to start or grow your portable business but I also love to bring back some past guests of the show after a couple of years and see how did their journey go. I do love the show because it's almost like the archive of all these entrepreneurs where you can get to see the evolution of this amazing journey. And one of these great guests on Tandem who came right at the beginning of the show, Lisa Webb. So Lisa, I'm so excited to have you here. And are you ready for this right now?
1: Hello, Amel. I am so ready. I'm so excited and it's wonderful to be back it's an honor
0: oh, oh my god i'm so happy and i can't wait to share your extraordinary journey since then so nomad nation a few words about lisa Lisa is an educator, author, speaker, and entrepreneur. Her time as a global citizen living abroad influenced her to build community and help others to do the same. She founded Wine, Women, and Wellbeing, where women can connect through events, books, and wine. Lisa is determined to connect women no matter where they are in the world. And to get to this point she has done a lot of amazing things and I remember back way long ago and Nomad Nation we will share the link of that first episode on the show notes of this episode so that you can really look at this journey but Lisa do you remember what were you back then?
1: Oh I feel like I've worn a million hats since then. Um, When we so if if there's I know you have all kinds of people who listen to the show but the expats in, in the room, so to speak, um, might remember me or know me as Canadian expat mom. So when we first spoke, I actually would love to go back and listen to that episode because I have no idea what I said. I know personally what I was doing at that time in my life, but I would it would be actually probably extraordinary growth mm-hmm. to go back and see where I was then. So I was blogging as Canadian expat mom. I was living in Indonesia. I'm originally from Canada, we went to France, we had two kids, then we moved to Indonesia and I started writing. I started doing some travel writing, I was writing for the Huffington Post, I wrote The Kids Who Travel the World, where every book was on a different country, and then I published under Canadian Expat Mom, Once Upon an Expat, and Life on the Move, which were both collections of stories from women who had lived all over the world. And so I still love all of those things, but I'm not doing any of them right now.
0: (laughs) And you've been doing some amazing stuff this since. So that journey of how you started all your journey as a book author, as a book editor, as also, um, a community builder as well, even through the book. I remember Mm -hmm. when we met, you were actually launching the book um, Once Upon an Expat that I've been contributing to, and that's how we met, and that has built an amazing community as well. So fascinating. So what has happened since then?
1: Okay, so after Indonesia, we moved to the Congo. We were there for two years, and then we came back to Canada, and we've been here for less than three years now. A little over two and a half. And I, you're right, I was, I was always I always had a bit of a community builder in me. And I felt that through my Facebook page, my Instagram page, and those those women that were brought together in those books that kind of, it became its own little community and, and people would follow our journey online of our moves and our travels and the different things that we would do. We came back to Canada, and that was a different move for us because it was a bit like coming home in another way it wasn't because it was the first time ever that our kids had lived in Canada so it was new for them comfortable for us and then I thought what was my biggest takeaway in all of those years all of those countries and continents and all of those moves and for me my biggest takeaway was the power of community because once I found A space in a community, no matter what, where I was in the world, no matter what country we were living in, I always felt okay, no matter where it was we were living. And I, I recognized how the feelings of not having community feelings of like loneliness and isolation, those are very easy when you're living in places where you don't have a network yet where you can't speak the language, you need to have people in your corner. And so it was kind of ironic that I decided to build that when we came back to Canada, where I already had a ready-made community and people in my corner. But I just thought things also seemed easy for me to do in Canada because everyone spoke English and I didn't even have an accent. I just like slid right back in, um, into life here. But I also realized that because right before this, I was living in the Congo, um, Where it was difficult for me to communicate or send emails. All of a sudden, I could do all those things. And I was like, I could do anything. Mm -hmm. I can order things in the mail, and I have a postal system. It's coming right to my house. Like, this is what this online shopping is that people have been talking about um, because I've been living on compounds and faraway places. And so I just thought, I wonder if I can recreate that amazing feeling of community that was offered to me. I wonder if I could create it here in Canada because. People need community no matter where they are, even here where they're from, because maybe they're working from home, or maybe they're an entrepreneur and they don't have a community through work, or maybe they're in a new city. And I just thought, what are what are things that I like? What are what are the things that I want to have in my life? Because I was worried. Like, am I not an expat anymore? Is life going to be different now? Mm-hmm. I still want life to be fun and I still want to have social events and outings. Um, and so I just had this idea and I thought of things I liked, wine women getting together and then learning new things and doing things that are good for us and that's where the well-being came in and so I, I decided to create something called wine women and well-being and that was basically a space where women would come together and I didn't even really know what I had no idea what it would grow into but at the time I thought I'm going to have one event see if this works and then once I had the event I really thought okay there's something here and under two years, we grew to 19 branches across Canada. And one of those years was COVID. So we couldn't even do, and we we're, were just still growing because people need community and they, they need the support and they need the sisterhood. And that's what my expat sisters taught me.
0: Yeah, this is so beautiful when you say that. So what was missing in the communities that were existing in Canada that the expat community
1: taught you how to build? That community taught me was that everyone is welcome. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. And it's not that maybe, maybe that did exist here. I just didn't see it because I would Google things to do. And there were different meetups. And this was like, this was for women who like to cycle. And this group is for women who are moms. And this group is for women who are entrepreneurs. And this group is for, I don't know, people who like to sew. But I was like, well, I maybe fit in this one, but I don't know if I fit in that one. But I remember walking into communities overseas where it was just women's communities. And so I thought with women' and well-being, everyone is welcome. Like, it doesn't matter what you do for a living or what you, where you come from or how old you are. Just come just like you want to meet new people. You want to support women. Come. We're here. So good. You don't need to be invited. You're just welcome.
0: I love that. I love that. And it took off really quickly. So, um, like actually about, Lisa, tell me if I'm wrong, but I have the feeling that whatever you start kicks off really quickly. So this is why (laughs) I want you to to be in the show Uh, to tell us about this thing, about when you have an idea, how you get it kicked off and actually get traction. It looks like whatever you do, you get immediate traction and we can (laughs) see it through your social media, but I know that behind the scenes is the same as well. So what has helped you? you got this idea. And then what did you decide to do to bring it to reality?
1: Okay. Well, first, I think what a lot of people don't do is a lot of people look for validation outside of themselves, which maybe you don't like, so let's take, for example, love my husband. He's very supportive. But when I started Wine Woman and Wellbeing, we had a lot going on. And I, sometimes I get big ideas and they are like, take take over big ideas kind of thing and so I said to him like oh I've got an idea and he just looked at me and he's like I don't actually think we have time for another idea right now like we are drowning we are getting back to life because in in the Congo we had help with the kids and help with the house and I wasn't working and now we were living in Canada and I was teaching full time and we were like trying to get the kids to activities and this is the first time our family had ever had this dynamic of having two working parents, we're in a new country, everything's different for them. And he was like, really, now, like, we're up to our eyeballs. And now is the time you're going to have a big idea. I was like, okay, well, I'm actually not going to talk to you about this right now. I'm just going to go ahead and start building this on my own. And so I didn't really look for um, and then I I remember saying it to someone else. And so maybe I was doing that. But just like, I would just kind of mention it. And someone said, oh, you know, it's really hard to get people to go to events. And and everywhere I went kind of was like, "Mm." so I thought, you know what, I'm going to be my own cheerleader with this and I'm just going to go for it. And so what's the first thing that I need to do? Well, the first thing I need to do is start an Instagram account because that was easy for me. I knew how to do that part. And like when I started my blog, the easy part for me was writing. So I just started writing frantically and obsessively. And then the hard part, that was building the website, building the blog back then because they didn't have Squarespace and I didn't know how to use WordPress. So I did what was easy for me first. So with Wine Woman and Wellbeing, what was easy for me, well, that was starting an Instagram account, thinking of a name. So those little easy steps, that's what I did first. And then the giant hurdles of like how to legally incorporate a business, how to like Get a license for bringing alcohol into a venue, finding the venues. Those are the things I figured out later because I think it's really easy to convince yourself not to do something if you start with the big, giant, scary task. I think you need to start with whatever it's easiest for you and then just chip away at it like little by little. But think big picture is another thing because I incorporated myself as a company or myself, like Wine, Women, and well-being, before I even had an event. And my husband was like, well, maybe you should just wait and see if it takes off. And I was like, no, no, this is going to be a thing. And Uh he was like, okay. And so, and same with my, when I started my blog, I was like, I'm going to write for the Huffington Post. And I didn't start by saying, I'm having toast for breakfast today. This is my day. I started, like I was writing an article for the Huffington Post. Like, you know, they say like, dress for the job you want not the job mm-hmm. you have I love so that. so think big like don't like, there's always growth even when I look back now at my instagram account it had no branding it had no like there was nothing fancy and we've evolved over over the years and I did end up writing for the Huffington Post but you kind of have to like be a cheerleader for yourself I love and it. don't overthink it just just start because then once you have that instagram account, Or whatever it might be for you, the story is written, the Instagram account is made, you're like, well, I'm halfway there, I might as well go for it. Whereas if you start at the big giant project, then it's you might quit before you get started.
0: I love everything you're sharing here. Nomad Nation, (laughs) listen to this part again, and again, and again, whenever you feel like you're doubting and not sure where to get started. There's so much great nuggets in what you said. For me, there's two big ideas I want to highlight. Uh, for me, you're the embodiment. Of what I keep telling to everybody, start first and then perfect later. Stop overthinking and it's start somewhere, Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Start where you can get started and then you'll figure it out and then you'll improve as you grow.
1: So you've, yeah. Having a project that is not perfect is way better than having no project at all.
0: Oh my God. A hundred percent for sure. The second thing, it is really important for me to listen to your voice right now. Um, and that's why I told to, to, to Nomad Nation, listen to that again, is that confidence that you have. And when you said like dress for the job you want instead of the job you have that's a mindset thing and i believe that mindset is everything as much as i'm passionate about marketing and i know how building relationships being authentic can really be essential to a business growth if we're not in the right mindset that doesn't work it's true so how did you manage to find that right attitude to help you believe in yourself? even if nobody was actually around you, encouraging you and even actually downplaying your idea? That's a
1: great question, actually. Um, I bet you, I I don't actually, I'm flying off the seat of my pants here and I don't actually have an answer for that. But if I had to like psychoanalyze myself in this moment on the spot, I would probably say that something in that stemmed from my expat days because I like, I've, I've always had a good ambition and I, I just, I don't, it's just, just always something that's been a part of me. When I, when I finished my education degree, I applied for my master's and I got denied the first time because I had no teaching experience. Like I, I applied right out of finishing school. I thought, well, you two, you should teach for a little while first. And so then I dusted myself up off and I, reapplied again once I had some teaching experience. And then I got my master's degree. And so once I had that, that ambition kicked in and I thought, okay, well now what? And so I applied to be an assistant principal at at an elementary school in the district where I was working. And the first time they denied me and basically told me I was too young. I was 27 years old. Um, And they said, you know what? You need a little bit of experience first. And so I said, okay, what, what do I need to do? And they said this, 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 and this. And so I dusted myself off. And the next year I focused on doing this, 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 and this. And then I reapplied. Like, it's really easy to quit. I could have quit and not done my master's. Mm-hmm. I could have quit and not applied. And then I got a job as an assistant principal, um, at 28. And mm-hmm. I was really, really proud of that. Um, and and I said, I heard what you said last year. I'm still young. But I've done, I have my master's degree. I've done all the things you told me to do. And I have a little bit more experience than I had last time. I got the job. I did the job. I was successful at the job. And then my husband says, well, OK, my job wants us to move to France. And that for me was like, don't you know that I'm going to be the minister of education? I'm going to be the youngest principal that ever lived. Don't you know the program here? And so to leave what I had been working so hard to get... And move to France and not speak English and or not speak French and and have such a hard time like that was huge for me then at that time and so I I feel like maybe so I had my kids and I said to my husband at the time I was like well this is when we're gonna have our babies I guess and he was like whoa we never talked about kids before we always knew we wanted them but we didn't know when I said well this is just gonna be a small window of time this expat thing um like And then I'm going to go back to work. So we should just do it now because this is the time that I'm off. So we need to make good use of our time here. And he didn't jump on that right away. I'll tell you, but he did eventually. And that's when we had our kids. And, and once I had my kids, that's after that is when I started the blog. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this well, because I, I just, that ambition piece kicked in. And so I just feel like if you're going to do something and you feel passionate about it, I feel like passion is a big piece there. Mm-hmm. Because if you're doing something that you don't enjoy, chances are you're not going to do well at it because your your heart and soul and your hustle isn't going to be there. But if you can be blessed enough to find something that you love doing, it doesn't feel like work. And That's how I felt about education back before we were on expat, and that's how I felt about writing when I was doing it. And actually, that's how I felt about wine, women, and well-being. But I was teaching at the same time. But wine, women, and well-being—the passion took over. And so then, fast forward a little while, we're on our way back to France right now. And that was a decision in our family that had to be made. Like, do you want to keep teaching and stay in Canada, or do you want to go back overseas? And for me. I was like, well, wine woman and well-being is my baby. I can't leave it. And and this is where that portable business piece came in. I had to reframe my mind. And I thought, okay, this could go two ways. One thing I'm super passionate about. And another thing is what's like keeping us here. It's, it's the stable, safe pension route. Right. But I thought I'm just like, I'm not going to think of this as leaving. I'm going to reframe this and I am bringing something that exploded in Canada and I'm going to bring that international. So I'm starting our first branch in France and I'm going to build that community that I was looking for. And then let's see if we can do this. Like, let's see if we can make happen in Europe or wherever, because I have that global community community. And I know that women need community no matter where they are. It's not just in Canada. It's probably more so um, in other places where people are maybe feeling a little bit more isolated, where there are those ex communities where people move around a lot and they need to meet new people. And so I'm not even in Po yet in France. And I um, I did the first thing, Amel, and I, I'm practicing when I preach here. I started the Instagram account before I'm even on the ground. I'm not moving for three more weeks. But I started the account because I knew that would be like, okay, well, it started now, Lisa, you might as well be all in. Because just that little thing of starting the Instagram account, for me, Instagram is a big deal. And I know how it works. And I have built my business off of it. And so I thought, if I do this, I know I'm all in. And so when I did, I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. Going international. That. I
0: love that. Yeah. And you know, there is so much, again, things that are really important that you say it here. I want to highlight one word that you said, which I think we tend to shy away from that. I think we should hundred percent embrace, which is the word ambition, embracing our ambitions and not being afraid of dreaming big and just shooting for the moon. And we'll end up with the stars, like we say, right? hundred mm-hmm. percent. And, um, and instead of getting hang on to the details of the logistics and how I'm going to make that happen and. And how am I going to make this happen? And I do believe in a good strategy. You know me, Lisa, I'm all about good strategies, but I do think that the mindset, this mindset of embracing our ambitions and, and going full force into
1: it is so key to get. Any and, and if I can add one thing on that, on ambition, on confidence, what I tell the girls who start the branches, like the, the two girls, uh, I just love them in, in Saskatoon I know them through mutual connection and they knew they heard that I was looking for someone in Saskatoon and they were like I don't know I don't know if this is for us we're we're not whatever enough and I was like why not you and I just think that we get in our own heads and like I could well I probably did say that to myself too like who do I think I am to bring these women together and start having these events why not me like it's got to be someone someone's going to do it if you want to like I think we have to be careful on how we talk to ourselves and then also think like, why not me? Yeah.
0: So how about in hard times? What do you do when you don't have that confidence? What do you don't feel that confident? What do you do to pick yourself up and keep going?
1: Like when there's a global pandemic and you run a national event company, for example. That's a very
0: good example.
1: (laughs) Um, Those are hard times for sure. Uh, you have to be willing uh, to be flexible, I think, and, and accept that things are not always going to go the way you want to. And back to the dust yourself off and try again thing. Like we have events that flop and we have events that are enormous. Mm-hmm. And when there's the ones that flop, it's easy to be embarrassed and, um, down on yourself. No, that's not how I wanted it to turn out. But I always think I would rather connect with two people than not connect with anyone. And so if an event is small, or if we make a mistake, it's kind of like the job that you don't get that you do change the things and you reapply, you have to look at how you can do things differently. And then just keep trying. And the baby steps, the chipping away. And then when all else fails, fill your cup, Like if you're feeling down, instead of just staying in the down and, oh, woe is me and I'm just going to leave this project, whatever, off to the side, you do the things. And I I learned that also from my time overseas, do the things that make you happy, whether that's a run or a bubble bath or a square chocolate or watch your favorite show or call a girlfriend, Um, do things that fill your cup. And when your cup is full, it's far easier to have the confidence to be willing to put your heart and your hustle into something else. And so you have to take care of yourself first. And then that positivity is easier to follow.
0: I love that. Fill your cup when it's down and then go back on the settle. Mm-hmm. Right. I love it. That's right. And, and okay. So do you have one thing I noticed as well on top of you starting so many things, not being afraid, afraid to just go full on.
1: Um, Well, I'm still afraid. Just do it anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that distinction. That is so good. I love it. That's important, actually. That's really important. I think embracing our fears and do it nevertheless. And the second thing you said is as well, you know, be okay with failure. Like being okay with the fact that not everything's gonna go according to plan, and that failure is part of the journey. There's no success without failure. That's right. Right. Um. But another thing you get at, and maybe you could share with us some of your tips is at uh, gaining traction. So how did you manage, be it with a book, I remember in the early days with your blog with, uh, and now with this amazing community, One Woman and Wellbeing, you gain extreme fast followers and traction, and I would say, Yeah. Traction. I'd I'd rather say traction rather than followers because followers Mm -hmm. would just be so passive and these are engaged people. So how did you manage to do that? What are your tips to do that?
1: I'm a big believer in community over competition. Mm -hmm. And I just think that when we link arms, especially in this women's community that we're in, and we're all trying to achieve great things, when we link arms and move forward together, it just benefits. I always say to the girls, I don't know if I'm saying the quote right, but a rising tide lifts all boats. So when I was doing my blog, I was always trying to do guest posts on other blogs, because then those people would find out about you. I was submitting articles for free to everywhere who would take me, because then other people would find out who I was. It was just, it was great exposure. And so then all those little things that I did, I was in, I contributed to, I think, eight anthologies before I had the courage to put out my own anthology. Mm -hmm. And so I had been on, I don't know, 15 little tiny websites before I got onto Scary Mommy, which was a big American, like, and I was living on the other side of the world, but I knew like scary mommy, that's a good one that they have 10, they have like a million people at the time. I don't know what they're at now and, and same. So then the little blog was a stepping stone to get to a bigger platform. And then once you have that, that was a stepping stone. So then you could say to the Huffington Post or wherever it was, I've been on this, this, and this, but then every time you're on something different that expands your growth. And so with wine and well-being, we would collaborate and connect with different women who were in small businesses who were working the markets. And I was at the markets. That's how I met some of these ladies. I was at the markets when we first got here before I even had Wine Women and Wellbeing with makers. We call them makers in in Calgary. Um, Women who were doing like kitchen table businesses, making things at home, whether it be like candles or whatever that is. And so they were trying to get their products out there. And so then once I got a platform with wine women and well-being and say hey we're looking for a door prize do you want to do you want to get involved with us and so by them like we'd shout them out but then we'd like then all of a sudden everyone in their community knows who we are and everyone in our community knows who they are and so there's like there's cross-collaboration that just benefits everyone this is so, so that good. was probably something that was really helpful for me I in, in both the business
0: cross promotion cross collaboration and in not being afraid for simply going out there and trying out things mm-hmm. like even in terms of collaboration you just went there and talked
1: to people say how are you interested and not overthink it right yeah oh, oh i always <laughs> say that like that's marcy said um, marcy who's editing our books that we're doing for wine women and Wellbeing. Um, she said, we need to call that because I had it in my story and I didn't even realize I had it. But she said, you need to call your title secret sauce or something like that. Because I said the secret sauce to the success is don't overthink it. Mm. I'm just I'm huge on that. I mean, you need to think about it a little bit, Mm. but if you if you sit too long and stew in something, you probably will think of 10 reasons why you shouldn't do it. Right. But you won't know about the hundred reasons, the hundred amazing things that come. If you don't try it, because like with what's happened here in Canada, I never in a million years imagined the more than a hundred amazing things that have happened and the people I've met has changed my life, but I could have so easily talked myself out of it.
0: I know that. Yeah. All right. So we can feel your energy, your motivation, your ambition, your confidence. And we talked about all of that now. I mean, that's necessary. Well, mm-hmm. at some point there's a practical aspect. Let's not forget that you have a family, that mm-hmm. on top of it, you're all the things that go with family, with um pandemic, with homeschooling, and now preparing another move. How do you mm-hmm. find the time to actually do all that?
1: That's a great question because nobody wants to glorify busy. I don't think there's any, it doesn't serve anyone mm-hmm. to glorify, oh, I'm so busy. I don't like that. I mean, but there was a time where I was very busy when we came back to Canada. Like I said, in, in the Congo, we had a lot more help than we have here in our day to day. And I was working full time and I wasn't then. So I just had to learn to re manage my time. And so I was part for a couple of years. I was part of the 5am club and I would set my alarm and I would get up every day at 5am because I knew that Before the kids got up, that was the only time that I could either exercise or work. And that was when it was quiet. And then when the kids got up, it was go time. It was busy. It was, it was all the mom things. And then it was working full time. And that's when I had this idea Um, because I was feeling disconnected, because I was at home. And then I was with little kids, because I was teaching elementary school. And I just thought, Oh, my God, I miss having my social life. And that was the piece of the expat life that I missed. And so that's when I wanted to build that. But when did I have time? Well, I would use the cracks in my day. And so if I had 15 minutes at recess, I'd pop open my laptop, and I was working or I knew that from the time that school ended, I had 45 minutes before I had to go get my kids from the bus. So instead of scrolling Instagram or going shopping or whatever it was, I would open my laptop and I would focus hard for those 45 minutes because I knew that that was a crack in the day that I could get some things done because then it was get the kids from school, do supper, do activities, and then another crack in the day at the end of the day where I could. So it started as a passion project and I did that for a really long time, um, but I can't say that I was super happy doing that because it, it felt like a lot. Um, but then we came, we started, I started having this conversation with my husband and it was, it was a tough decision to make for us to go back on expat because we are Canadian and we do feel like we're at home now. And I planted my roots pretty damn deep this time. Like I really did. I, I built this business out and at the end of the day, we had like, we had to decide what we wanted to do. Was I going to stay? And, and I felt a bit like on the hamster wheel, Like I said to my husband, I was like, okay, I know what people mean now by the rat race. Like I feel like I'm a hamster on a wheel running. And I thought I can keep doing that. And there's good and bad to every decision and every outcome. And I just outweighed the positives with the negatives and missed traveling and having that time with my kids and I thought, okay, if if we go overseas again, yes I'm not here on the ground in Canada, but I can expand what I love in a way that I can't while I'm at home and teaching and being so busy. So that was part of the decision in there are some things that are really hard about leaving again and going back to France, but it also gives me the luxury of having a little bit more time and being able to manage that different and and wanting to spend more time with my kids so i won't be here at every single event every single month but i'm going to build that where i go in france and then i can still be with my kids and they don't have to be so busy quote unquote mm-hmm. it's just it, it's choices we make
0: right and some people you-
1: choose to watch tv and some people choose to go for a walk they're all choices and they have outcomes and there's there's hard things about being away and there's and there's hard things about not being away. It's just a perspective shift and choices and what we do with our time.
0: Mm, it's a matter of choice for sure. Um, I mean, I don't want to downplay the hardship of it. And you haven't downplayed the hardship of it. But it is a commitment. If you want to make it happen, you just find those cracks, like you say, until you mm-hmm. figure out how to now scale this thing in a way that works for you. And one of the things you did on top of like now making this big decision tell me if I'm wrong, is also building a team so Mm -hmm. that you don't have to have everything on your shoulder. So how did you do that? How did you first tell us what is the team looking like? How did you structure this? And then how did you manage to build that?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm learning as I go. I will be totally honest with you there. Uh, Like everything I learn. And then when you know better, do better. Right. Mm -hmm. So initially it was just me with an event in Calgary and then people started reaching out. And so now we have um, a director in 19 cities across Canada. Me and France will be number 20. And basically, those girls run their own events in their city. And then the thing is, when you end up and some of these branches are run by two women. We have a couple sister teams. We have a couple business partner, best friend teams. And so they're boots on the ground in their city and they're organizing their city events. Um, but when you get that many women together, you start to realize like, wow, because there's something, there's something in those personalities, in those women to step forward and say, Hey, I'd like to bring this to the city that I'm in. And all of a sudden you realize you're surrounded by some really powerful and impressive and inspiring women who are good at all kinds of things. And so it kind of the growth of wine, women, and well being happened organically, as, as did the team. And so um, I just started to look around myself, and one of the girls on our team her day job because a lot of these girls are just this, especially during pandemic we haven't had events right but one of the girls on our team her day job is to develop she teaches at the college in her city and develops curriculum on their behalf on how to elevate women in their business i was <laughs> like oh, okay <laughs> oh, we we need to we need to work with you and so our get school program where we're having these courses that we're rolling out while well, she's developing the curriculum for it because that's her natural talent. And we have a couple of girls who are event planners who will take over the, the back end of organizing events. And then when we started the manifest tour, it was actually um, I had one person on the team helping me. And then as we went on, she's like, I don't feel like this is necessary, necessarily my calling, my place. Just helping out because it's like when you start something at grassroots, everyone just gets in wherever they can and helps out in that way. And so then. One of the other girls approached and said, Hey, actually, we really like to help out with this, with this project. And I said, okay, well at this time, like, it's just like calling venues and trying to figure out where and logistics and all of that. And they're like, that's our jam. We'll do that. And so now those girls are on that and we move the other person on to something else. And it happens to be something that she excels at. So we just, we learn as we go, we shuffle. And, and as for me, it's really hard to ask for help mm-hmm. at, at the beginning, I'm getting better at it now. But once I started asking for help, um, and even just saying like, Hey, we want to try this out. Is anyone, anyone good at this? And then the girls kind of just like, when we have our meetings, say, Oh, oh, I'll try this. And then you realize that sometimes people are really way better at things than you are. So Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to ask for help, but then I'm like, Oh, that was way better than I would have done. So yeah, you're in charge of that now.
0: (laughs) This is so good. So yeah. and there's so much great things here, in what you're saying, but this whole thing about asking for help, but also realizing that you, especially when you're an entrepreneur and you have the habit to do things on your own, at some point we tend to forget that we are not the best at everything, right? It's our mm-hmm. maybe, but there are some people who might be able to do it better. So this is really important to get to that point where you release and release yeah. to the universe and to the team, the responsibilities of taking this further. Um, in terms of logistics and practicalities, how do you make that happen? Do you have like weekly meetings? How do you organize yourself to have communication and a space to actually listen? You're, you
1: seem to be listening at your team and then reacting upon it. Um, so so yeah. we have um, something that the travelers listening might be able to relate to. Um, I personally, the whole time we were overseas, had a family chat on WhatsApp like a group chat right and I know a lot of my friends have group chats with their family or their friends back home whatever that may be so I have we're spread out like as if you would like we don't let we're coast to coast in Canada Canada's a pretty freaking big country mm-hmm. um so we're all over the place and so we have a group chat where we can bounce ideas off each other or if there's something going on if there's an important post happening or like an important announcement we're making we all are in the group chat I'm voice memoing in there and And then we have our own private Facebook group where we can share ideas. And if one of the girls is having an event for the first time, she can post in there, or what do you think about this event idea? Or I'm having my event tonight. Am I forgetting anything? And if I can't answer her, then one of the other 23 girls in the group will be able to help her out. So it really is a sisterhood. We really do support each other. And and then about once a month, once every other month, we have our we have a zoom coffee date in the morning on a sunday because that time zone works out for everyone so some people might be really early in their pajamas and some people might be around lunchtime but sunday's a day where no one's really got any huge plans usually and so we get together for a coffee and a chat and just connect and and it's nice to see each other's faces i mean of course this has looked a little different cuz we haven't been able to have an event in like a year and a half so our communication isn't so frequent as it would be if we were all like as collectively having, you know, 20 events a month. It would be more like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Okay, who's on this? Like there's there's more going on. But now we just check in and we talk about there's we have enough projects happening behind the scenes that we I can update them and just um I like to (laughs) I do I'm used to I think from my time overseas feeling like I'm more connected with people than I am maybe because the distance is just something that's normal for me. Mm -hmm. Um, We all have matching like friendship bracelets. Basically. Mm -hmm. I got all the girls for Christmas a necklace that says sisterhood on it. And so we all like have our, like, there's just little things to connect us that um, that Mm -hmm. it's nice to see. And then the big things we have coming up, we'll be able to connect in a different way because we're doing this giant tour across Canada with like, all these celebrities and in like the biggest event spaces that we have in the biggest cities in Canada, which just blows my mind that this is happening. But then the girls will all be able to get together in these big cities for like the giant party we always wish we could have had. So it's, there's lots to look forward to. So we're kind of, we're hanging on through COVID because we know we've got big things planned for the other side. This is
0: huge, and you have touched upon it. I was going to ask you, how do you what is the incentive for all these people to give so much energy and time to this? You talked about the spirits that are the connection mm-hmm. and the sisterhood, or is there any other? I mean, this is so important and nothing
1: else, not but- money. I'll tell you yeah. that, <laughs>
0: yeah, nothing else. But you do have an interesting business model, though, If if you want to share that.
1: Well, what we're doing and what's keeping the girls so it's not franchised, it's licensed. So there's a small percentage that goes back to the company, and then they get the remaining percentage from their events. And then I think once you go to an event where there is a room full of women carrying positive energy who want to uplift, inspire, and support. The other women in the room, it's like the opposite of mean girls in high school. Like when you're in that space, there's no, there's no one who's like, oh, actually, I didn't like that. Like the energy, the girls are always like, I couldn't sleep after. Like I could not sleep. I couldn't go to bed. Like I was lying wide awake, just like like you've been to a concert or something. Mm-hmm. And so I think more than all, all of the girls, like this is no one's full-time job. All of the girls have another job or a side business. We have lots of entrepreneurs among us. So that then um, it fuels the fire to create something, to be a part of something magical and something bigger and, and to have a vision. And so, and also the connections that are made at these events, just it's, it's actually kind of crazy. The connections that are made that go on to support the girls who run the branches in other ways. And we don't always see them at the time. Like even for myself, like it just keeps happening. And I'm like, like, how does this happen? Like, how did I meet this person? How is this happening? And it's just because we're just rolling with the positive energy of supporting each other and then trying something new. And, and so for the most part, I think that the girls are in it. We're in it for the connection. We're in it for the support and for being a part of something bigger.
0: I love it. All right, Lisa, I have an idea. Okay. I'm, I'm actually we didn't talk about this so i'm just having Uh-oh. an idea right now <laughs> okay. i think that what you're talking about here is so powerful and so contagious like we all need that kind of energy like especially after all these tough years where we can just be together and have fun and have a great moment connect and support each other etc and one thing that you said is for me this whole thing about you know we love being expats but we do we that's not no, that's not the only thing that defines us, right? We're mm-hmm. more than that. And I was thinking, how amazing would it be to be able to make a call for the listeners, whoever would like to start a wine wa- woman and well being in any city around the world.
1: Amen, sister. I'm like, <laughs> I'm on it behind the scenes. Like you have no freaking idea because. Let's do that. Um, girls come to me, come to me. I don't care if you live in Singapore or like where, wherever you in Brazil, let's go, let's roll. Um, yeah. Like I really think the sisterhood is strong because we need each other and we, and I, (laughs) some people have asked me that before, like you run a community that holds events in real life for women. How have you made it through COVID? I was like, we've not only made it, we've grown. And because it's not really about the money, it's about the community. We've grown exponentially and I will not let this thing die. That's why I, because I believe in it so much. And that's why everyone's like, oh my God, you're going to France. I'm like, watch me go. I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna no. do it until like I it will be awkward and it will be more difficult and it will be harder because it's in another language and and things run differently and nobody knows what I'm gonna be doing like here in Canada when you start another wine woman and well being people are like yes there's a wine woman and well being in my city people in Po are gonna be or in France will be like Sequoia <laughs> like <laughs> who, who do you think you are what are you doing what is this going on here like what's going on what is this. Um, so I have to start a scratch. I have to muster up the courage to start like the very first time I did here. Um, but I do have a couple girlfriends from my expat community from the Canadian Expat mom page who are like, uh, I see you're going overseas. Uh, What should we talk about this? Cause I'm here. And I'm like, yes, now's the time to merge my worlds and, uh, and let's, let's go global girls. Right. I love it. This is so good. All right. So I love to catch up
0: with you on everything that's happening and the amazing growth you had since and all the great tips you shared about that attitude and mindset about getting started I think this is really important this is why I wanted you to come in here is there any final message you want to share about
1: that before you say goodbye I just think that you need to do the hard thing we're made to do hard things and if anyone well your community knows that your community is a a people of travel a a nomad nation and um, I just think we know we already know we can do hard things and I think that that's what expat life has taught me and so why not do the hard things in a different form? And I, I posted on Instagram the other day and and I do believe it's true. A lot of things I posted for myself more than anyone <laughs> said, <laughs> courage is a muscle. Have you worked out lately? And I think once once we do a hard thing and and we have the courage to try something new, it gets easier the next time. Yeah. And that's what happens when we do hard things. It gets easier the next time.
0: Love it. So let's do this, Lisa. Let's do this. So where is the best place to find you, and what should where should we go if we're interested to start this? Wine women in well being around the world, wherever we are.
1: Yes. So if you're on Instagram, you're gonna go, and when you start typing wine women, all of a sudden you're gonna see like, holy crap, there's a lot of them because <laughs> we all have our own page. But that's so we can support the people in our local communities. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Wine Women Wellbeing, the main page with the wine glass that's where you're going to find me. Um, also, um, winewomanwellbeing.com is our website and we're on Facebook. We, we mostly, I mostly hang out on Instagram, but I am also going to be the lady behind wine woman wellbeing post. So you can just find me anywhere, but reach out to us on Instagram or on the website. And if you are one of our sisters in our global community, we would love to have you because we all, we all need to, to support each other. It doesn't matter where we live. We all need it. I love it. So Nomad Nation, you'll find all this information in
0: the show notes of this episode on tandemnomads.com slash 234, as well as the other episode of Lisa Long Ago, if you're interested to come, how far you've been. It's just in- insane. Insane. If you so, want to see what
1: growth looks like, I can't even imagine what I was saying back right. then. And it,
0: it's so encouraging, right? To just get started somewhere and get moving on. So thank you again, Lisa. It's been amazing to catch up with you. Thanks, Amal. Namad Nation, I hope that you got inspired to get started, start for it, perfect later, and go for it, believe in it, and tell to the world, watch me, I'm coming for you. <laughs> so Nomad Nation, stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.